0: Hi, I'm Susan, and this is Diane, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis, or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, Let you learn and let you grow, together with other mothers, when autumn comes. Today, Diane and I are talking to a mom named Amy, who is located in Norfolk, Virginia. She is one of the most lovely moms I have met in a very long time. We talk about how her family has navigated special needs living without a diagnosis. We talk about how she's created her own support groups where she needs them. But what really, really moved me was how she talked about her son and his legacy that she is helping him leave on this world. So let's dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about your family and you
1: and how you got here? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. So again, my name is Amy Moynihan. I am married and my husband Matt and I have two wonderful little boys. We have a six-year-old named Miles and a three-year-old named Max. Um, Our three-year-old is typically developing and our six-year-old has lots of medical challenges and is the reason that I met Susan and I'm on this podcast today. And I'm really excited to share about our journey and our life with you all. So what, what do they love?
0: Like what phase are they, what do they like to do?
1: So we are really into superheroes. Mm. We've been on that for a little while, but we love it. We are Superman, Batman fans, Spider-Man too. The new Spider-Man is named Miles Morales. So Miles (laughs) thinks that's super cool that the new Spider-Man has the same name as him. Um, We are currently into Peanuts as well. So watching the old um, Charlie Brown and Snoopy movies. And so this is a great time of year for that because we have watched the Halloween, Thanksgiving, and now Christmas ones a couple times
2: a couple times a day or just a couple times right right
1: yeah (laughs) often so we're really into the peanuts crew right now Uh it's so fun yeah it is the perfect time of year for that we Mm -hmm.
0: are we are grinching it up over here Lorelai is super into grinchy like grinchy
1: everything so yeah so we got a set of grinch sheets The boys both have them in the dog, and that is named Max. So that's that's (laughs) so funny. Um, And now he wants to find a dog named Miles. And I'm like, well, it doesn't work like that. You can't always (laughs) find a creature with your same name. Right? He's on a hunt for it right now.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we can find one if there's a listener out there who has a dog named Miles. Let's um, let's connect. There you Um, go. (laughs) Okay, so tell me a little bit about the medical side of things. What are his abilities? Is he verbal or
1: nonverbal? Miles is nonverbal. Um, At some points he has had up to about 10 words, but now he doesn't use words. He does make sounds though. Um, He uses signs to communicate with us and he's in the process right now of becoming more fluent in that he has baby signs and we're working towards ASL. Miles uses a talker to communicate with us, which he loves. He has jokes Mm -hmm. on his talker and he thinks that's the funniest thing is to tell jokes and everybody laughs. Um, So that's a big hit. So if anybody's a talker add the jokes to it, it might be a big
2: hit. Sayla has a talker (laughs) and she goes to the all about me page. My name is Sayla. Mm -hmm. My name is Sayla. My name is Sayla. And just everything about her. It's so fun. (laughs) Teach her a knock knock joke. Yeah, yes. we got <laughs> no jokes, We
1: got riddles. It's good stuff. Add that. Add that to your um, communication
2: device. Does he have an Alexa page? No, he doesn't. They, her teacher put on an Alexa and it's like, Alexa, turn up the volume. Alexa, play whatever song. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I no, didn't know he I was dangerous. on there. dangerous. Well, really, I think Max would be dangerous.
1: Max likes to get Miles' talker and say things um, on it, even though yes. he's verbal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think Max would might overuse that button.
0: If we, <laughs> <remember>. <laughs> we had the demo device we had, had an Alexa button and it was, I don't know how Laura, because ours is an eye gaze, so Lorelei is using her eyes to navigate okay. it. And I was in the kitchen, and all of a sudden I hear Alexa turn up the volume, and we were having our normal Disney princess dance party. So like it was like not hardcore rock music. All of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but Lorelai's communication device said, "Alexa, play Slipknot." And Alexa starts <laughs> playing this really scary music, and I'm what? like, "Oh my god! Like, where did this come from?" <laughs> so
2: yeah, we um, they're um, a rager at the
1: Gaggin House. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The technology is amazing, though. Some of
1: the other things about Miles, um, he uses a gait trainer, which we call his magic car. And he thinks that's so funny to run in his magic car. Um, And Miles has tremors that resemble Parkinson's tremors. Um, He responds to Parkinson's medication, but genetically it's not Parkinson's. Okay. So those are some of the things about him. Can you
0: take a minute to describe his Halloween costume?
1: Yes. Um, so this is the third year now that Miles has had really creative costumes that my dad has made for him. Um, so it started three years ago. Miles was going to be a fireman. So my dad made him a fire truck using his gait trainer. And it was just so amazing because it was a surprise. I didn't know. We just walked outside and my dad had the fire truck built onto the gate trainer. Um, So that was really awesome. Max was a Dalmatian. So with the whole whole crew, it all worked together. So cute. Um, Last year, Miles was a a fighter jet, um, which is very appropriate because we live in Norfolk and they're actually in my parents' neighborhood. Several um retired Navy pilots. So they helped my dad design the jet and where all these things and where the stickers go and just all of the components. Of it, they really had a kick. And so that was a cool way to get people involved in what we were doing. And then this year, because we're, the boys are really into construction trucks and things. Miles was a construction worker and my dad built him a digger. So I sent you all the picture. So I'm hopefully we can share it on your Facebook page. Yeah, um, Miles has, it's the whole deal. Like there's the netting up top and oh. then like the actual digger part in the front. I don't know the appropriate terms, um, but it was, your so boys amazing. probably do you could go ask them quick I know <laughs> sure I know be. they correct me all the time if it's an excavator or a totally. this or that my 10 year old um, and- used to do that mm-hmm.
2: mommy that is not a whatever Sorry, I know you
1: realize all the things that you do not know when you have children because <laughs> oh, they <totally. laughs> not so nicely point out these up to you. Yeah. Um, my sister is an engineer and works for a um, general contracting a construction company, so she got the the hard hat and the vest and things were all from Lizzie's company. So it was just a really neat way to kind of to have people involved in what we're doing. But yeah, that's my dad's little project for him every year. But now I think that there's some pressure because every year it's it's that matter every year. Yeah, if (laughs) people ask for it, it's like... He's going to be flying actual. just going to say that. Like, how do you up it every year, you know? (laughs) Get
2: that jet off the ground next year. Yeah. Right? (laughs) I just wanted to ask how your journey started. Where did it start? When did you know? Yeah, so our journey with Miles
1: started at a little bit different time than some other people.
2: It started around
1: the time that Miles was one year old. So during my pregnancy and Miles's first year of life, we were just cruising along as first time parents. Um, it was around one year when we started to notice that Miles was having tremors And he, his development was plateauing. Miles was pulling up to stand and would cruise and had been doing that for a couple months, but did not want to let go and stand independently. So that combined with the tremors, that was the, the thing that let us know that maybe our development was going to be a little bit different. Um, And so there were a couple steps and doctors that we were seeing at the beginning and, doing the things that you need to do. We were referred to a pediatric neurologist. He was referred to PT. And it was through those the first couple months being involved with them, with the pediatric neurologist and the PT, that we were realizing the seriousness of, of this. And during that time, his the tremors were progressing greatly also.
2: So did you feel like in the beginning, were you just like, okay, we just have a doctor visit, or this is mild, or was it like your world was crashing down?
1: Um, I, It wasn't crashing down then. I vividly remember a couple points during the journey where that's how I would describe it. At that point, it was, okay, let's see. And Lots of times kids need to go to PT for a couple months and you catch up and, and there you go. So that's what we were thinking. Miles, um, the pediatric neurologist wanted to get an MRI, which took a couple months to be scheduled. When we got the results from that and met with the doctor, the way that he described Miles' development and what his future could be was that moment for us. But mm-hmm. by then that was a good 6 months or so into the journey because it took so long for the MRI. To and be this scheduled. is
0: still this is still without a diagnosis. This is just based off oh, of yeah. the symptoms. Like I mean mm-hmm. you were handed a summary of what could happen assuming that a diagnosis one day
1: comes. Exactly. Yeah, this is just based on symptoms and seeing children that develop in this way where they could possibly end up. So the doctor gave us this huge, huge range of where it could be. Um, So, yeah, so that was the point where it was getting where we were really looking for answers. And that's not to say for the issues to be resolved in that moment, but just an understanding of what journey we were on. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the points where we were really starting to seek that and are just now, four and a half years later, getting some resolution as to what our journey is.
2: Wow. Were you, how do I ask this? I know for me, there are definite times where I want a diagnosis and I want to see what's coming. And there are definite times where I'm very happy sitting where I am. Do you feel like you've had ups and downs of that or are you kind of like, I want to dive in, I want to know, I I just want as much information as possible?
1: So yeah, so I go back and forth and I think a recent um, development for us really sums that up well. So I'm happy to share about that. So Miles is involved in a research study right now where he is having his whole genome run, which is something that was not available without being in this research study. So just this past week, they came back to us with a result from the genome study that they are hoping to confirm, there's two more tests that they want to do, and they'll be able to confirm it. So up until that point, we, as I was saying, we were comfortable with this notion that we don't know what the answer is. And quite frankly, that we may never know what the answer is. So They contacted us on a Thursday that they had a result. And luckily, we had our meeting the next day on a Friday. So we didn't have to wait in that space for a long time. So preparing for that meeting, all these thoughts are running through my head of, do I want an answer? Because wonder if the answer is not what I want to hear. And would I rather be in this place where I don't know, but at least there's a hope um and so that is heavy intense stuff to work through especially when you're raising two kids and working and just trying to be a normal person and getting dinner at the table just the normal things to kind of work through that so
2: yeah because you still want to show up in a good headspace for your husband and your other child right. and just to keep your family together but I loved how you described it as like just sitting in this space I mean like the waiting sometimes is so uncomfortable and it's just like some days I just want to crawl out of my skin because it's like, I don't even know what I want to hear. Like I know having my head buried is not the right answer, but knowing what you like good or bad, to be honest, knowing what you have to face with answers, even if they are a little bit good and having to just, you know, use that emotional energy to trudge through the Emotions essentially that it just takes a lot.
1: It does. So, the results that we got, which is a tentative diagnosis at this point, as of right now, it will not change his treatment or what we know about his future because it is so very rare. So, it was really interesting in the day and two after friends asked me. So now that you've had this meeting, like in a little bit of time to process, how are you feeling? And my response was, I feel normal. And then I would say that I'm like, that's kind of a funny way to respond. But it is because so much of our journey has been an unknown of how the future will play out. And so we got this news, which we are so incredibly grateful for the technology and research to get this far but his future is the same as I thought it was going to be prior to that phone call, you know? So it's, we just kind of continued on with our life, which sounds so funny to say after something so important, but that is, I think that that's a really great way to describe what our life is like, is that we didn't know that before. and We don't, we still don't know it now. And so it really helps us to Focus on today, and I know that that can often sound really cheesy, but it really does help us to focus on what can we do to help these two crazy boys be happy today, mm-hmm. and to help us feel fulfilled as parents and as people. And as Matt and I both work full time, so at our jobs and as community members, and all of those things that incorporate who you are, you know. So we just kind of got back to the okay. How do we make today a good day kind of thing after that. And
0: taking the emotions that you and I texted a little bit the couple days before you got the phone call and the the email saying something and the emotions that you have, like the one day you said, I'm actually feeling really good. And then the next day, the night before, you're like, my nerves are super, super high right now. And then getting the information spending 24 hours or so processing what you're going to do with it. But then like as moms in this bubble, her emotions are just so up and down every single Mm -hmm. day and to the extremes. And then in the end, like you said, just kind of recentering yourself and coming back to, okay, I was here. I was here. I was in the middle. I was, you know,
2: but let's refocus and just focus on today. And I think that speaking for probably, A ton of the listeners, but specifically myself, we are in just that waiting. And we can only control today. Like we all know that. Mm -hmm. And you say, yeah, it sounds cheesy. It's so easy to say, so hard to grasp and actually move forward with and sit with. And I know like it gives so much hope for me, knowing like, yeah, this is a pivot, it's very pivotal moment in your life to go through this process and hear this. But It wasn't earth shattering. You know, you were still able to move forward. And that's so comforting to me because I'm sitting here kind of probably, I don't know, maybe four months prior to where you are at now. And it's some days it's debilitating being like, I don't want to have to hear this. I don't want to have to, like, it was tough enough the first time. I don't think I want to have to do this a second time, you know? So, and knowing like, you know, there are a lot of aches in this journey of raising special needs kids and you know there's always going to be like there will always be one mm-hmm. around the corner but it's easier sometimes I think I get caught up more in focusing on that sometimes than I do like the winds. Like, well what's around the right corner versus the scary left corner and getting that diagnosis it's refreshing to hear we moved on. Like not moved on but we're moving forward and we kept going. I we kept well, yeah. going and I'm feeling okay. Like my child is still my child, you know. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, sure. So a couple of things about what you just said. One of the things that I am very comfortable talking about, and I think that it's really helped how I internally am processing the journey that we're on, is that I did a lot of self-care work in my, um, in my 20s and in my 30s prior to having kids. Um, And I learned so much about how to process my emotions and to feel them, but not let my brain ruminate on them and just how to have emotions and big feelings, but in a way that is healthy for me and that I can manage. So I had done a lot of that work and there were major ups and downs with that, but prior to having kids. And so that is one of the things, like, Susan, what you were saying, that like sometimes I'll text and be like, I'm okay. And other times I'm being like, this is crazy. That I think being able to recognize that that's how you're feeling and to put a name to it yep. and to have those skills really does help for the ups and downs that are a part of this journey. So to be I able would... To communicate that
0: with someone, mm-hmm. yeah, to be right. able to text somebody who gets it or to be part of even people who don't get it, but to be able to verbalize, hey, Suze, I'm okay today. Hey, Sus mm-hmm. I'm not okay today. Just to be able to tell someone that I think is an even bigger step than just internalizing it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and that's a skill, obviously, that's transferable outside the world of being a parent of a special needs child. Like yep. That is just a skill that helps helps you as a person. Um, so I'm always working on that and encouraging people to that, just that
2: that's a really great skill.
1: Yeah. Hey,
2: we're going to take a quick pause. Are you a medical or special needs mom looking for a community of people who just get it? You are invited to join us in the 4am mom club. Yep. That's the name of our bonus content. But it is also the name of our community. Moms just like you and me, we laugh together, cry together, and we support each other through this crazy life. You can learn more at whenautumncomes.com. Go to the top of the page and click on the button that says 4AM Mom Club. See y'all there. Now we're heading back. I know you and I had a conversation at one point about
0: how in in our committee that we're on in real life there are a lot of moms who started as NICU moms. Mm -hmm. And you and I kind of connected, even though I was one of the NICU moms. I remember one of our first conversations, you said something like, well, I don't have the group of moms I graduated with from the NICU. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of graduated with a core of moms who I could reach out to. But how have you navigated, have you connected with other moms? Like what Other special needs or medical moms, especially being undiagnosed, it's not like you can Google this is my condition and find moms who are going through that. So how have you managed that?
1: Yeah. So in some ways, it is really challenging that there's not a formalized group because of experiences that we've had. So one of the ways that I've done that is to try, very actively try to to communicate and bond with people in more informal ways. So when we had Miles and for the first almost three years of his life, we lived in Tennessee and then moved to Virginia when we had Max, when Miles was almost three. So in both Tennessee and now in Virginia, I'm in a mom's group that is for all moms. It's not for special needs moms. But through that, I have found really amazing connections with people. And so when I was in Tennessee, starting my journey, there was a mom in the group who, um, who had a child with special needs and she was so amazing helping me at the beginning of the journey, um, with big, serious ideas, but also the advice to not Google things and just mm. the little day-to-day things and just the support you need from someone farther along in the journey. And so that really meant so much to me. So now I really ask, actively try to do that for other people because I know how impactful that was for me. So in my mom's groups or just in my groups of friends, I am always talking about miles and the things that we're doing and just always wanting that to be a part of my life in a way so that people would feel comfortable talking to me if they are going through something. So I have created support groups for myself through those kind of more informal channels. And then also, Susan, like from the way that we've met, that's another way that I have found support. So one of the things that I kind of struggled with and am trying to find my place with right now is how I want to give back or how I want to contribute because of both the things that I've learned and I'm learning on our journey and my professional and personal skills that I think that I could share and help people with. So one of the ways is through community service. So it is things such as sitting on the, the board that we're on at the hospital and a couple other examples like that. But so it's through those things like that where I'm reaching out saying, I'm a part of this world and I have these skills and maybe... could help out in some way. And then I meet people that are also there doing that. So those are the ways that I have tried to find groups that understand somewhat. Though No one will ever understand what it feels like in your home and in your heart, but people that kind of understand or are willing to listen or will deliver you a hot cup of tea because you're just having a bad day or whatever it is, but just finding that support. That's how I've tried to do that. So special needs mom,
0: typical mom, career person, volunteering, like how do you juggle all of this with, how do you balance everything that you're doing?
1: So that's one of the things that I think about a lot and kind of struggle with And it's something that I think that motherhood in general, it is a struggle. And that's why there's all of these books and about leaning in and all of these things that you can do on how to balance your if you have a career in your professional life and being a mother and all of the other components of you. Um, so one of the big ways that I do this, and I'm very open about talking about it is the support that my family provides to me. So like I was saying that we lived in Tennessee and then moved to Virginia. One of the main reasons that we moved is that my family is in Virginia. So we now live in my hometown and, um, both Matt's family and my family provide so much support to us. And that's one of the ways that we help to make it work. Um, that's one of the ways that I can work full time and still be there for my boys and just all of, all of the things. So, um, yeah, so I'm very open to talking about how important that is for us. Everyone obviously has their own journey with that into how you find the ways to make it work, but having people help for us has yeah. been a way to make it work. Um, I also purposely chose a job that has some flexibility in it. I work from home two days a week. Um, so while I am still working full time, that does provide a little bit of flexibility in my life. And I don't sleep as much as I should. And I don't work out as much as I should. And the, the things that you're like, tomorrow, I'm going to. And I know. Mm-hmm. So it's not a perfect balance. It's not at all. I have learned to ask for help when I need it. And I need help with
0: this. So I ask for it. It's hard. I am a person who does everything for herself and I don't ask for help, which is why you showed up at the ICU with a Starbucks um, sandwich for me. And um, (laughs) like, I mean, it's just hard in general, I think, because as moms, not just special needs moms, but as moms, like there's so much weight on us. Well, physically mm-hmm. and emotionally at this point. Coming COVID, right. <laughs> cookies all the time. Yeah. Like, COVID has not been kind. <laughs> but there's a, there's a huge to-do list all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing I'm working through with my therapist, like how can I outsource some of this? What can I pass off to my husband? And getting to that point where I know I'm mentally tapped out. So like you can manage this task for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just how to keep going
2: sometimes. And also like give ourselves permission to let go of that. But then like, I know that sometimes I still micromanage how somebody else is doing the task. I need to honor that a grandparent is still a grandparent of a special needs child. And they are Mm -hmm. an absolute contribution to that child's life, even though it's not maybe how I would do it or a dad or whatever it might be. And you know, caregiver or something. So, oh, but they still do it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so it's funny.
1: It's so my reaction, I think just about my personality, when I ask for help from people, I had to learn to clarify what I was asking for because I was meaning I want to turn this project over to you. And people were hearing what I was saying that I want them to be involved in what's happening. So just examples of like, if someone's going to cook dinners and bring us over some freezer meals, or I heard some thing, can you like just do a little digging and some research on it and let me know what you find out. Any of those kind of things. I don't need to know what the meal is. I don't need to know that you're going to the grocery store and shop. Like I, if I've asked for help, I want to totally turn it over to you and I don't want to know anything, yes. but I totally understand that that is not the normal way. To no, but to know. I, I also have learned
0: that you have to spell it out. My mom's probably listening to this, but I asked like at one point, I was like, I can't manage meals right now. I need you to help me. And she brought over uncooked hamburger patties and uncooked baked potatoes. And I was like, no, like, no, I need this cooked. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do with this? I, that That's not helpful. Uh, so yeah, like we have to kind of spell it out
1: sometimes. And I don't think I ever
0: cooked potatoes. No. That's
1: so funny. Yeah. That's one of the things that I learned with asking help is like really figuring out the difference between what you are thinking in your head and what you need and what the person you're asking is hearing. And then just, you have to learn the dynamic of the people that you're asking for help. Just making it so clear that like, if I'm asking you for help in this way, I really need you to take it off my plate. I need Mm -hmm. you to handle that for me, please, please. Yeah. (laughs) But that is tricky. It's tricky. Am I the only one who feels
0: like she speaks her own language sometimes? I feel like I have an internal dialogue or language that, like, the people around me don't necessarily understand. And I'm like, no, I just asked you to take this. And my mm-hmm. husband's staring at me with the uncooked potato. I feel like
2: I have that language and dialogue with teachers, therapists, doctors. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, do I not make, am I not making sense? Cause in my head, I make sense. Am I not, you know, and I think it comes down to what you said, Amy, is I maybe tiptoe around issues or I want to like be understanding or, you know, instead of just getting to the point of, I need this from you. We're dealing with that with COVID right now, you know, with teachers and stuff. And I'm just like, no, I I can't do that. That's not my job. That's your job. And I don't want to have to do that. So instead of saying that, I'm like well, could you maybe do that? You know, you're just so sensitive, but like, I love that. Like, get to the point, tell them how you, and it doesn't have to be rude, but no, Susan, I feel like I'm like that with therapists and caregivers and doctors and people do not understand. (laughs) And you and I trying to figure out the technology behind a podcast. We are not speaking the same language. (laughs) Hairdresser, marketing, techie. Mm. We're learning. We're learning each other's languages.
0: So Amy, do you have anything, anything else you want to add? Like if you could tell the world one thing about your kid or your journey, or if you were talking to a mom, like the mom was talking to you and your group who is new to this journey and feeling lost, like what would you tell her?
1: I would say that, yes, you have to be prepared for the ups and downs. But that's true in life, too. That's not unique to being the parent of a special needs child. And I would encourage people to find the way that you can contribute and add to the world because of this journey that you're on. And that can be a lot. And you tackling that every day is not necessarily possible. But I do think a lot about Miles's legacy And how the world will be different because Miles was here. And it will be within our personal connections and the impact that he's had on us, our friends, and our family. But it will also be because of the research that's being done in genetics right now. It will be because of the community service that Matt and I do because not only how much we love Miles, but how strongly we feel about protecting this population of people. And there's all these ripples now that are going out in the world. And that's Miles's legacy. And that's cool. And so I would encourage people to think about that. And again, it's not going to happen on the days when you're in the hospital and it's too crazy and intense. But there are little steps that when you get your footing that you can start to think about what impact is this going to have and you can find really beautiful ways to
2: impact the world. I'm getting chills just listening to you talk. That's incredible. I love that. Thank you for sharing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So one of the things that I am mindful of is that I do not at all want to come across that I have this all figured out and that I am superwoman and do all of these things. There are lots of days where a successful day is that my children got dressed and fed and we made it through the day. Um, And maybe we brushed our teeth. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe a or not um, showering. Yes, maybe no. Um, but so I, I am, I just want to really make it clear that there are some days where whatever you are processing or physically manage that is enough and that is amazing because the journeys that we are on are heavy and they are intense And some days. It's a lot. So that actually right now while I'm filming this podcast, i um, recording this podcast. I am at my parents' house right now and my boys are downstairs. Um, and my parents are helping me take care of them so that I could come up here and do this. So it is not, saying that we find our path, I never want that to come across that it's all pretty and rainbows and great all the time because it's tough. But I think that idea of thinking through what is the meaning of all of this and what is the legacy that we're going to leave behind can help on those days when it's tough and you're not seeing what the future is going to be like and you just need to make it through today and
0: sometimes their legacy sometimes
1: our legacy is just how
0: we spent the day doing finger paints and Mm -hmm. making a mess and pulling out a g-tube and you know sometimes part of the legacy is just rolling with those dark days and hard days
1: that's exactly right. And one of the biggest compliments someone could pay me is that man, Amy loves those boys and yep. Amy does tries to take care of those boys. Like just Amy loves her boys so much. That is one of the biggest compliments that you could pay me. And that has nothing to do with activities that I am or am not doing. That has to do with when I look Miles in the eye, how Miles is responding to me and the connection that we have and what I am doing to love him today. And that's enough.
0: Absolutely. I think no, we're losing Diana tears. Like <laughs> not quite, but I'm close. not quite. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we always end our episodes with the question, what gives you hope?
1: Yeah, so what gives me hope is that our country and the world is becoming a little more inclusive. I know that it feels like at times we take one step forward and two steps back, but people are beginning to recognize that the needs of people with special needs, but also that they are people too, in that it's not always the medical diagnosis first about a person. And I loved that the way that you started the podcast. What is Miles like? What are my boys like? Because that's a part of him too. It's not just the medical diagnosis. So I think that just really the world really slowly, but starting to see that about people And I think the research that's being done, I mean, the field of genetics is just exploding, like it feels like on a daily basis. And that is really, really amazing to think about what the future will be like, what we will know and how we'll be be able to help people. And that, that I think is really exciting and gives me hope.
2: Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Amy, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was was so much fun. I really appreciate it. It was just a pleasure hearing about your son and your family and just an honor. I'm so happy you were able to share us or share him with the world.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: I loved that conversation, Diane. I am so So glad we had Amy on. It was, she had such great perspective. Um, and I just loved hearing how self-aware she was. It makes me want to practice that a little bit more. It makes me want to find a book about self-awareness <laughs> so I can figure out how to talk to myself.
0: Absolutely. I, but uh, yeah, if you want to share your story, please reach out to us. We are so excited about this project and we look forward to touching so many lives and making a difference. In the meantime, this is Susan and
2: I need to go brush my teeth. And this is Diane, and I have to get ready for a sleep study at Mayo with my daughter. Not fun. Good luck with that. We'll catch you guys on Friday. Cheers. We know you have so many choices on how to spend your time. Thank you so much for choosing to spend it with us. We would be honored to hear your unique, complicated, and hope filled stories. We would love for you to connect with us and share your story on our website, www.whenautumncomes.com, and you can find us on social media at When Autumn Comes Podcast. Also, check us out at 4AM Mom Club, where we will be sharing our middle-of-the-night shenanigans, Etsy finds, Netflix faves, and other things to get us through. We would love for you to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll continue to hear unique stories, feel a whole lot of comfort and connection, and hopefully share in a few laughs. We are new to the podcasting world, so this show is produced by yours truly. With hope and a whole lot of excitement, Diane and Susan. See you next time.